All right, all right. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. It's your boy, Dapo Chanay, back with another episode of the Just Hold On podcast. We have a very, very, very special guest uh, this evening, um, someone who is very uh, near and dear to my heart, very special, someone I think has a great story and a lot of uh, cool things that people are going to be able to take away from this episode. So I'm very excited to uh, uh, announce. She's in my phone as uh, Jessica Little Mama Alexander, but uh, <laughs> if you want to give some more example to that, that's just like your name that's been on my phone since we met so uh, everyone give it up for my girl Jess Jess thanks for having uh, the time to come on we appreciate it oh my god Chad I'm so psyched to be here um mm-hmm. I'm so psyched to be talking to you we are actually we friends so I'm just like excited to be a part of this I'm stoked you're doing this yeah. um yeah I'm hyped I, this is great <laughs> I, I appreciate it I know um it's now more more than ever a good time for people to kind of have some good things to listen to and some you know positive uh vibes to put out there so mm-hmm. i thought you'd bring that uh wholeheartedly so i'm excited to kind of hear some more in-depth stories about your life and kind of what you're doing and things like that yes yeah, you know I'm yeah so <laughs> yeah of course girl i love it um so just to give a quick little backstory uh you know how do how did we become friends if you oh can tell the story because i don't think i'm fit to tell the story <laughs> oh, wow. oh my god okay yeah so from what i remember you know what's crazy we've been friends for a minute now i was looking back on some of those photos i was like oh my god like holy shit like time just flies um totally but i remember i met you at could we I, oh my it was at Kavika's, uh, Fourth of July party in Portland, and I had been kind of getting acquainted with the crew, and I was still new at to Portland in general. I didn't have like I was like getting my footing uh, with new friends, and like mm-hmm. I literally came. I'll never forget. I came to the house party. They were like, I think I came with Crystal, and they and like Mikey invited me, and they were like, just come to this house party, and I rolled up, and I didn't know what to expect. I'll, I actually, this was the thing I remember the most. I remember them. I was like, oh, it's like a party, so I should bring something. And so, of course, <laughs> I'm like, I'm from Atlanta. And I was like, oh, shit, it's like 4th of July party. Henny is the way to go, for sure. And yeah. so I, like, stopped by the liquor store, got Hennessy, but I'll never forget. I rolled up to that party, and people were like, who is this chick? <laughs> whole bottle of Hennessy. It was like a whole, like, knocker drop. Um, but I remember meeting you. We were violent. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were getting it and it was so much fun. Like I rolled in and like Phil, that was actually the same night I met Phil too. And he was oh, cooking wow. up some steaks with some rosemary and like yeah. all kinds of shit. And you were had the American flag just going off. And like <laughs> it was a night. And then we actually spent it was cool though, because it was like a night and it was a party, it was fourth of July, and it you and I, I don't know, we were fucking on the dance floor throwing down beats. And then I remember I spent I, we spent the night there big house and then the whole next day we had this whole it was actually really cool because we all just kind of stayed together had this like pool party and we had some like deep ass talk like it was like this totally. festering of like i don't just like this energy it was so much fun that shit was crazy. yeah and my, my my recollection of it to be completely honest is i don't remember much from that night i remember th- i was hurt in the morning you were like <laughs> i'm chad i was like uh we were best friends last night what the fuck <laughs> oh man yeah it was like it was funny because Kavika had hosted a, like a few parties at his mom's house uh shout out to Kavika's mom shout out to Kavika one time for uh having that for us but uh it was kind of just like a string of nights you know where you kind of just like went on this weird little bender with your homies in the summer you know it's like a lot of people do it especially at our age so uh I just remember waking up the next morning and coming upstairs and there wasn't really anyone up and I look over and you were in the kitchen with just that bottle of Hennessy still <laughs> And I was like, yo, who who are you and what are you doing pulling Hennessy at like 
nine in the morning. That's fam. right. I was so hungover. Uh, and I was like, fuck it. And you were just like, who are you? That's yeah. Right. Right. And I was actually stumbling through photos the other day of this this weekend. <laughs> and we like left and went and bought little kiddie pools at, yes. uh, at Fred Meyer. Uh-huh. And we got all sorts of weird shit. Like we were we went plant shopping. We went yeah, we got plants. We got yeah. bathing. I didn't have a bathing suit, so I bought a bathing yeah. suit from Fred Meyer, and yep. like that shit was crazy. And then yeah, we had this whole next day pool party. And you know, I took a flight to Atlanta that night. You did. I remember <laughs> you're like, "Yo, I need to literally get my shit together because I have a flight to Atlanta like in three hours." And I was like, "Yo, you've been with us all day partying as hard as you have, and you're gonna go fly to Atlanta." You're like, "Yep." And I'm like, "Yo, this is this is someone I want to be friends with." And wanna, you know. <laughs> have some lifelong stories with so that was obviously a good put to start on oh Um, yeah that was the one that's like a solidified friendship those are the best friendships that's what i knew same thing i was like damn we we about to be real friends like yeah we're we're in it now there's a photo i think of both of us laying on the grass in the front yard and we both were just like holding our drinks up and i had blonde hair at the time it was yeah reckless it was a reckless time what a time And I mean, like, the, the, I think the best friendships kind of blossom out of situations like that, you know, where you can genuinely uh, let your guard down and be yourself. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's better when you're kind of, you know, intoxicated off a couple, you know, shots of Henny or right. you, you know. Um, but I think that was cool because I cherished every moment that I spent with people that summer because I made a lot of good friendships that summer as well. Same, so. same. I agree. That's my biggest thing. Like, I have my best friends of 10 years now which is fucking crazy my girl's back home in Atlanta and I always say that like when you meet people in these environments where you can just be and you because then you're you're really yourself and you're Mm -hmm. like your truest self you know we all have professional shit we got to do and things we get done but those are the moments where I'm like you you are my you're a kindred spirit like I back you and it's just like no for sure and you kind of touched on it a little bit when you said that but uh being from Atlanta um what kind of brought you to Portland? Um, give me a little of that backstory uh, the best you can. On um, Yeah, on bringing me to Portland specifically. So, yeah, I was born and raised in Atlanta, East Atlanta, Zone 6, all like Atlanta hey. proud. Hey, that's Let's home. Uh, and so I uh, grew up there and never thought I would end up in Portland, but I actually came out to Portland to take a job as Nike Master Trainer, um, which for me at the time, being from where I'm from, was and is you know it was the biggest accomplishment I like I couldn't believe that I was going to be able to take on this job Um, it was a really big career move for me Um, and so like I grew up hella crazy I grew up in a crazy environment I moved out when I was like 15 I had no direction and then getting into training and getting into strength conditioning and then being able to build myself enough to get that job was huge so I never thought I would end up in Portland, Oregon, to be honest. Like, I, know, I was like, oh, what the fuck is this place? Um, but when Nike gives you that call, I'm like, Portland is home, you know, <laughs> like we're doing it. And so I packed my bags. I was terrified. Um, but yeah, I came out and uh, that's kind of, that's the thing that, that brought me there. Yeah. I mean, Portland being that Mecca of uh, athletic brands, you know, at, oh, such yeah. as Nike, uh, Adidas. I know that Under Armour has a campus there, Columbia. Um, was it kind of intimidating coming out or was like, were you stoked? Was it like, did you need that kind of new chapter in your life or was it kind of like, yo, I'm going. Yeah. I think, um, that's a great question. I, I, you know, being in Atlanta, like I said, like the background I came from, like I had turned a corner 
when I decided to go into training already. And like, I had such a past there, like you got a snippet the night we met of like, you know, that wild side of me and like growing up in Atlanta, moving out basically still as a child, like I was wild. So there's a lot of past attached to Atlanta that I think in general, I was like, you know, I needed to leave. I needed to be able to recreate myself now in my career as a professional and like, you know, have a change of scenery and um, take that leap. But I was terrified. Like, I think it, and people say, oh, I just, you know, I went for it. And it's like, you're still scared as fuck. Like I was ready for a change. Um, and I was ready to step into a new part of myself in a new city. And, and I think uh, I was telling my friends this too, even back there, like you, moving to a different city at least once, I think is so vital for someone's growth. Like regardless of job opportunity or anything, you learn so much about yourself when you step out of your um, comfort zone in that way. Um, and coming to Portland, I mean, it was a culture shock to say the least. I was not so a lot of white people, <laughs> a lot of white people. And I was so confused. And I was just like, Oh my God, like it's a small town and like things closed really early. And so at first I was not really stoked. I mean, I was hella stoked on Nike and I was ready to, um, I was looking to grow as a coach. Obviously I wanted to get, I was a trainer for a long time, but I wanted to get more into athletic performance and I wanted to be the dumbest person in the room again. I wanted to be around right. coaches that could make me better. So I was striving for that, but then, you know, and I was fighting that through Nike, but then Portland in general, I was really resistant to, uh, I, it was just so different from where I was and it was so slow paced, but in the end, it actually was good for me because it forced me to like go through some healing and some, some slow down and like get really in touch with myself. Um, but I was it definitely at first, I was like, it was, it was shockingly different. <laughs> I was not. I was like, I'm nature hiking. Why? I don't. I was so like again. Now I'm about it. But yeah, yeah no. And like uh, to testify to that, I mean, I came. I remember when I moved up. I'm originally from Burbank, so like the Valley of LA. And we'll kind of mm -hmm. get into how we both live down here now. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, <clears throat> when I moved to Bend, which is Central Oregon, a little three hours uh, shy of uh, Portland, but um, very much a culture shock too. You know, I moved back there when I was in 2011 one and I was like just coming out of middle school so freshman year and I was like yeah where's the malls like where's the people yeah. like you know like I was used to being around more you know ethnicities different people and it was very oh, yeah. diverse so it was a culture shock for sure but um to testify to like what you are doing you know like mm -hmm. I, I still as a close friend of yours don't really understand the whole title aspect how you said you were coaching and training and now you're athletic performance specialist kind of like give us the I mean, breakdown of how someone kind of jumps into that field of work, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, jumping into training in general in Atlanta, training just changed my life. Um, it was the first time in my life I had ever had like someone looking out for me or teaching me anything or, you know, coaches being like, Hey, where were you? And like trying to make me better and teach me um, tools and skill sets physically that actually carried into me as a person. Like I wasn't expecting it and, and it's what it did. And it changed my life so much. I was like, I really want to do this for other people. I want to help other, other people understand like how powerful they can become just through like embodying themselves physically. And so that is where that kind of started. And then getting into the training world, I, again, I was just like a little street rat kid, punk rock kid, didn't know shit. And I was just persistent and like attached to coaches in my like 
area and just wouldn't go away. Um, that's a theme. I just am like, yep, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do this now. And I so you can't, you, you can't get rid of me. Like I'm going to, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it's fuck out. I'm not leaving you. So mm-hmm. here I am. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wiggled my way that way. And I'll never forget one of my first mentors. I told her, I kind of figured out I wanted to work with athletes in Atlanta. I was like, oh, I love sports and I do love, you know, I want to be able to do this on a, on a higher level and work with athletes specifically, not just Jen Pop. And um, she was so sweet. She's an amazing physical therapist. Her name's Lauren Plifkin. She looked at me, she was like, do you know like the depths of basic human anatomy? This is when I was like baby trainer. I was like, oh. nope. And she was like, okay, let's start there. And she was one of the first people to really start me in my path. Like, you need to go get educated. You need to go get a great mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So anyway, in, in being in my job title, so it's like you, I started in training and then wanting to focus more on athletes and just have a more in-depth look. My title as, quote unquote, an athletic performance specialist, I don't like to get too attached to titles. They're good oh. to be able to give people direction and like they look good. But like really at the end of the day, I'm just a trainer. Um, and I and I help people uh, become better in whatever they're looking to be better at. But mm-hmm. I guess with the title athletic performance specialist, that's exactly what it is. You know, you have trainers that specialize in weight loss. You have trainers that specialize in pre and postnatal. And for me, I specialize with athletes and their athletic performance and getting them better um, in their, their sport. And so I have now in the background I grew up in growing up around skateboard athletes and then being in the punk rock scene and then coming to Nike, I found my home in working with, or my niche in working with non-traditional athletes or action sports athletes. So skateboarding specifically, but also like BMXers, motocross, and some uh, rock climbing athletes, you know, I've worked with regular sports, basketball players, football players, and that's amazing, but I found my heart and my passion with, the outlier athletes and more of the action sport. And I think that's cool too, to think about, because we, we kind of see, like when you talk about athlete trainers, um, you see like, you know, the trainers are on the sidelines for like football games or basketball games or things like that. And you don't really think about how skaters that are professional, or like you said, motocross athletes, you know, BMX, I'm sure rollerbladers have them, you know, it's crazy to think about. And I didn't even, I didn't even think about that until you came down here and we started getting more in depth on like what your move was, which we can touch on a little more moving forward. But I think what the biggest thing is that I respect for you and your field of work was just wanting to make people better. And I think that's so cool because there's different avenues to take that, whether it be your physical health, your emotional health, you know, anything like that. And I feel like I want to do that too, with just being around people and putting off that good vibe. And I know you bring that to the table on and off the court or on and off the field, I guess you could say. Yeah. So I think that's something I've, I've been really stoked about as your friend to see you do and just to watch, and, you know, from like a fly on the wall perspective or just outside of the circle. Um, I think it's super dope. And is that something that kind of drove you to do that? Like just seeing people be more stoked about their athletic performance or just their physical being, uh, you know, et cetera. Yeah. I, I think it happened kind of organically, you know, uh, like I said, it's like, I wanted to work with athletes and actually being a female strength conditioning coach, which is like mainly what I do. It's, it's tough. Uh, it's getting a lot better, but like, you know, you, you don't see a lot of female strength and conditioning coaches like in the weight room doing what I do. And so um, I'm lucky that I've had a lot of amazing male strength conditioning mentors that have like taught me and elevated me. Um, 
but it's still hard to get into that industry. And I was, you know, figuring out I'm like, where do I want to be? Like what drives me? I think the biggest thing is with coaches is you like, there's a, there's a lot of different sports. And at the end of the day, strength conditioning is, is a necessity. You know, it's quote unquote preventative training. You need to have strong muscles and joints and explosive power and deceleration, all these, these things to be able to sustain what you're doing for your livelihood. And so you can, you know, you can go in many different directions. And for me, I think after coming to Nike, there were so many, I was, I was getting so much information. I was like, Oh, I like this. I like this. And I, I tried to figure out like, what do I, what really drives me? Like what makes my soul sing, you know, training does, but who do I identify with? And like I said, I grew up it just like going to shows my whole life, growing up in the punk rock scene, heavy and hardcore scene. And then also in the skateboarding arena and skating myself. And then realizing my friends would come to me, you know, they would, they would come to me because they got injured um, and they'd fuck themselves up. They don't have health insurance. And they're just like, Jess, what do I do? And luckily I have insight into this sport or activity or art really um as to what they're doing so i can understand one like how they move um and what got them injured and and what that is and then being able to help them in the best way that i could and then i realized i'm like why am i not why am i not focusing on them no one's focusing on them to be honest this is not a job that's like normal um a lot of skateboard athletes or skateboarders go to pt they'll get hurt and then go to pt which is great but the whole point of training is to try and minimize your risk of getting injured in the first place. And so I'm like, why am I not, you know, trying to come into this arena and help them do that so that they can do exactly what they love to do. Like the only Mm -hmm. thing they love to do, every skater is obsessed with skating. If you're a true skateboarder, like that's your whole fucking life. And I'm like, if you really want to skate to your 80, these are very, you know, this is the stuff you need to do. So anyway, I just figured it kind of happened organically. And I had this aha moment of, this is where I belong. These are the people I identify with. I speak their language. I know what they're doing. I understand this and better than any other strength conditioning coach out there. Um, and so that's when I kind of started, I pitched to Nike SB and I, again, was very persistent. It's like, this is necessary. You must do this. Like, and, and that's kind of how the ball got rolling um, on that. And I was just training my friends and, and there wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't like everyone was super excited even now like you know like oh, I was training you know there's been a lot of stigma around I think training in general for a long time people assume it's like meathead jersey shore like yeah if you're strength Venice training beach muscle beach right like all this shit it's like oh and they're like oh that's completely the opposite of what that culture is all about but mm-hmm. the reality is is like training is a necessity to keep your you know to keep your body your vessel of whatever you want to do going and strength and every sport and every athlete has a trainer to be able to keep them healthy because it's like if you're a pro skater that's your whole livelihood why wouldn't you do this you're not going to get yoked it's just like bare necessities you know and so it was hard it was a lot of kind of push and pull but i believe the lucky thing about me again i come from a skate background i understand the sport can speak their language i'm their type of human and so they were willing to listen to me and so it's kind of grown from there and now with the olympics and um yeah 
Yeah, let's uh let's jump into that. I mean, um, there's so many things that we can take this way of talking because I know that you've done so much cool stuff that we could talk for hours. But um, give me give me the whole like obviously you just said like you pitched to Nike SB about doing this and you know you're basically the one and only coach for the U.S. skating team now, or is it like yeah, I'm their trainer. <laughs> so no, like. First of all, first of all, I want to take this moment to congratulate you because that is massive. Um, I don't understand how that even is a thing. You know, I don't even know how I would or any other person would how to get to that moment. But kind of maybe give us the background on like how that happened. Um, It's crazy. Yeah, it is actually, and it's 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 funny because I I'm just so stoked to be able to do this. Like my whole original passion for this was just skateboarders in general. I never intended originally to, you know, go, get in with the Olympics. That wasn't my goal. Um, I was just like, I really want to focus on skateboarders. And I was running, you know, I was doing PT for or personal training for a lot of my friends in Portland and they would come in and I just, I was like, how do I get this going? I probably should go to LA and, you know, starting to get into different communities. And so I, but then I was like, well, I work for Nike. I was a Nike master trainer at the time. I'm like, why am I not, why am I not working with SB? Like, why am I not working with the pro athletes? They need this. Like they slam. And the reason, again, like I'm passionate about these athletes because I identify with them more than any other athlete, but also like they're the grittiest athletes on the place, like on the face of the earth, period. Like they have more fucking grit and and will than anyone else on the planet and they will slam their fucking body against concrete and down insane flights of stairs and ledges and off buildings over and over and over again obsessively to get a trick it's not like when you're on the field in like football or any other contact sport and you like bash another human or run really fast like they are slamming their bones against totally. concrete like they they show it in like all the, they show it in like all the edits too or like all the skate scenes like you know they'll show you know five or six bales on like a 10 stair before oh yeah they and that's them that. just yeah they're just it's just like five or six they probably had like 20 you know what oh. i mean and they get up they're obsessed and so i find that to be one of the most amazing qualities i've ever seen and, and to me it's like i believe that those humans should be taken care of even more because i'm like you are the humans that are this true subculture that everybody wants to capitalize on and, you know, wants to be like, but they're the ones that should be elevated to be able to do what they do best and do it for longer and then have a bigger voice. So anyway, like that, I got so passionate about that. So I'm thinking, I'm like, why, you know, I see some of these pros going down and getting ACL, MCL, uh, uh, injuries happening. And then I'm like, you know, their careers are starting to be cut short and that's not an injury. If you're being taken care of properly, like that shouldn't put you out forever. We we should be able to come back from that if you're training properly and getting your body back. So anyway, I came to Nike SB and uh, a woman named Mel Strong was the VP at the time. She had worked in Nike training and that's how I knew her. And it was funny because we kind of came to it together. She was like, why are you not the person doing this? I was like, I don't know. Why am I not the person? (laughs) I'm the person. Let's go. And um, unfortunately, you know, if she was the only person to make the decisions, it would have happened immediately. But Nike's a big machine and there's a lot of budgeting and a lot of decisions that need to be made. And so I came in, I pitched to the team. That's when all the talks about the Olympics were starting to happen. And this was almost three years ago now. And so I had come up with this idea five years ago and then was finally sitting in Nike's hot, like sitting at the table 
pitching to them this idea um, that they needed this and this should be just offered to their athletes, period. And they have a unique opportunity with skateboarding. You know, then they were like, we have a unique opportunity with skateboarding being the Olympics for the first time to do this. And so pitched, fell by the wayside, got discouraged, said, fuck that, came back, kept coming back, kept coming back. Like I just kept coming back because I was like, no, this is important. This is necessary. And uh, again, that's another, I'm like, email. Hi, I'm still here. Hello, I'm still here. And luckily, like, I'm very persistent. Uh, Mel Strong had since moved on from Nike SB, but then uh, a dude named Casper and this woman, Rochelle, and a uh, dude named Bobier, they, they have been big elevators for this project. So um, lo and behold, made it happen. Um, they decided that they would, and this has been, uh, you know, they, well, they, we started having these meetings and then it wasn't happening. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to pro skaters myself, like not through Nike. Fuck that. I'm just going to go by the wayside. And I started reaching out to, um, different pro skaters to see if they were interested in it. And Leo Baker was interested. He's one of my favorite skaters anyway. Um, and they are an IKSB athlete, but I just went and started doing it with them and they were so excited about it and they were potential for the Olympics. Um, yeah. and tracking to do the Olympics and then um, Deshaun Jordan as well and then Nike saw me doing you know what I was doing with them and they're like oh she's doing this okay let's support her and then it kind of oh. snowballed from there um, and with that uh, that's how I got involved with the Olympics I was going to support Leo and Deshaun at these Olympic events um, so they have like different so in skateboarding and now with the Olympics coming up, they, they have different competitions throughout the year. And now with the Olympics involved, there's it's more of a scheduled competition. So it's like the yeah. highest amount of competitions they've ever had, uh, which also you definitely need body work for that. And so I was going to these competitions with them, um, was training them in between and then also supporting them there. And then I was like, hey, I, I need to talk to your like, you know, medical staff at the olympics you know i need i need to talk to whoever <laughs> trainers like doing their stuff so i can be in communication and they were all just like fuck you talking about like i was yeah. like what you don't have yeah they're like we don't have that like we go to these other countries and we don't even have they didn't even have anyone yeah. there. and i was like Skirt, not okay so then i immediately was like hammering the olympics and was like hey this is a necessity you need this and started being persistent on them and uh, long story short, Mimi Noop elevated me in. I, I finally got to sit down with her, and she believed in my message and my passion as well as my expertise. And uh, I tried out in Rio last year to be able to see if I was, uh, you know, they were like, we just want to see how the athletes. And I was already at this point now working with more, way more of their athletes. Um, so they already knew me. And, uh, yeah, then now they were like, yep, you are the right person for the job in all ways and so they hired me and here I am <laughs> yo and I think that's a big testament too because I remember I remember initially when you first came down here and I you spent some time in Long Beach where I live mm -hmm. and you had been uh working with these athletes before you even moved down yeah and I think and I think like you said it just shows that persistent attitude and like kind of just that will to not necessarily not lose but to find your win you know yeah um reaching out to these athletes and being that person and that that personality and type that you have um i think that would maybe even fit better with the skaters you know instead of like the typical like i'm your uh, athletic you know performance specialist you know it's like you have very more uh, very much more of an approachable style 
So mm-hmm. I think that that's almost maybe what made them feel more comfortable. And that's maybe just like what I feel inside. But mm-hmm. I think uh, your, your just like approach to how you do things. Cause I remember we can jump back a little bit to when I try to do CrossFit for a hot second oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you gave, and you gave me the basic rundowns on, you know, just how to like, uh, you know, efficiently do, you know, certain workouts basic and movements. like mm-hmm. the things to prevent, like you were saying to prevent people from hurting themselves. And I think that needs to be more of a focus because you hear about so many athletes hurting themselves, whatever, whatever lane it is in. Mm-hmm. And I've seen skaters growing up. You know, I wanted to be a skater when I was younger. I think we all yeah. kind of had that moment. I watched all the videos. I have a ton oh, yeah. of friends that are in the skating scene that I've seen drastically hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, having that skating, like athleticism and just like, you know, what you do for the sport now is just so new and mm-hmm. so, like, just different. And I yeah. think that's so tight. And like, has it felt like, interesting being in that like have you been able to like pave your own way or have you kind of like stayed true to like what you've been learned or what you've been taught and what you've learned over the past or have you kind of just blazed your own trail you know shout out to Portland one time (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah no that's a that's a good question you know I appreciate that I think you know you're right I have I do everything I do and it's almost to a fault sometimes I have some mentors that have to like pull me back they're like yes you're your heart so in each one of your people yeah there's I'm not coming in here like there was some doctors trying to take the job at the Olympic title and like that happens sometimes because they're like oh I want to you know I want to work with skateboarding and it's like why because they're in the Olympics now not because you actually love this culture and you love these people and you like respect who they are and what they're capable of no fuck Mm -hmm. that and I think that was a really big driving force. Cause I started to see that, you know, skateboarding is sacred and it's a, its own special thing. And like, I think it's, it, it was, it would have been sad for me now. It's like, okay, the Olympic title there and that's great, but like skateboarding will be there regardless. And so I didn't want to see people come in just because they wanted to elevate their name. I, I really give a shit about these, this, the whole entire, all of these people as a whole and this whole entire culture. And so I wanted to make sure that like no one did that. And so I, there's that piece. And then also being able to, you know, speak their language, for instance, like an athlete I've had in the past, like way long ago, I would say a friend who skates get cleared by a PT, unfortunately, that was like, yeah, you're cleared to go skate. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? What does that mean? Like, are you telling yeah. them to do ollies and nollies or do you think they, they just assume like, all right, like I'm going to go with it and like drop in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, so, so being able to understand one, to be able to speak their language, you know, when Mariah comes to me and is like, yo, I was doing a 50 50. And like when she gets hurt, I know what the fuck she's talking about. I know exactly what she's trying to tell me. And like, I know their tricks. I know their style. I know, um, I know it. And so I think that was one of the things that also drawn them. And then also like, again, I just give a shit about them. If they ended up hating skateboarding, like I would just still be with them anyway. So you're right. Like, I appreciate that. Like that's, I love these people so much. And so yeah. I think that is why they were able to listen. But, um, as far as, uh, you know, being able to create, you know, create my own path or, um, or, or stick to what I know my, my fundamentals as a trainer don't you know change as far as like athletic performance goes and the same, some of the same basic principles will always apply. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also, you know, again, this has never been done. So in a lot of sports you have, you know, you've got strength conditioning, you've got um, performance measures that you take, but most sports have been around long enough to where you have your 
your base of what is, you know, this is basic. You must have all of these things. And then you mm -hmm. have sports specific things, you know, whether you're a golfer, whether you're a mm -hmm. basketball player, you know, there's different ways that those athletes move to be able to get their shit done. Um, and so there's sports specific. What's interesting about skateboarding is what exactly what I want to pioneer on is that hasn't been done yet. And so totally. I'm able to now take my basic principles, apply them to what I know about skateboarders, for instance, like they're, they, when they're skating, you know, are they goofy? Are they regular? Are they mm -hmm. pushing with their right or their left foot? Um, how are they standing? What are their previous injuries? And so I'm able to collect all of this data and then put them on a strength conditioning program and, and look at different things and then be able to create uh, sport specific measures, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. So. Is that, is that, yeah, dive into that a little more. I know we wanted to touch on like just explaining your, your training principles in general. Um, does it kind of change when you work with certain athletes in certain sports or is there just, is there kind of just like a, a general outline of certain things you look at for an athlete or do you have to like kind of chop it up and switch it up for certain athletes? I mean, obviously yeah. you do because certain athletes do certain things, like you said, I'm sure skaters bodies have been through, you know, a lot, if not more than like say a football player, but yeah. they also, we, we also know skateboard culture. They don't take care of their bodies as well because <laughs> it's the party lifestyle behind yeah. it. Of like, you know, going out every night and just kind of just, they've almost made it cool to be like, let's fucking wreck ourselves, you know? Yes. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. Explain your training principles kind of like behind like what that, what that is. Well, I would say, there's two parts to that. Yeah, that's a really great way to put it because um, that's an, that's one of the things I'm kind of uh, going with. So like my training principles is a, in general, there's like a few things that I go by. One, there's progressive overload over time. And then the said, I call it, is basically specific adaptations lead to imposed demands. And so Ooh. basically, yeah, so the said okay. principle. So it's like, Basically, that means whatever you train um, is going to be the exact result that you're going to get. So, like, you always want to train with intent and a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just randomized. So, you know, so for instance, I'm meeting some skaters now. They're like, "Oh, do I just do this?" And it's like, that's just randomized. I mean, yeah, it's great you're moving your body, but like, you could really hurt yourself. And so, I look at every athlete first, no matter what their sport, um, as an individual. Like, period. Mm -hmm. Like, they are an individual, and I want to look at also the way that I move in my trainings, I'm going to look at all aspects of a person. A lot of what I do is of course going to be around these principles and strength conditioning. And I'm going to look at, I, I have that lens, but I also, am going to look at the emotional component, like how their emotional stress is doing. I'm going to be looking at their mental capacity. Like I'm going to look at all pieces because I want to look at them because all yeah. of those things matter. Like mental, emotional, and physical are all tied together they are not separate and there's no way that we can say that they are and i think too many strength conditioning coaches miss that piece we know that emotional trauma affects the body physically that's a fact and 100 which is crazy like there's there's statistics about how heart rate variability like trauma affects heart rate variability and, and we all have different stuff we've been through and i would say especially some of these kids like you don't you're not a, a you know attracted to skateboarding like there's a reason you're not doing football rather than skateboarding. And so yeah. one, but I think it's really important. Anyone, anyone's been through some shit. And I think it's really important. I always take care and I'm always looking at all of them. So that's really important to me. Um, but also, like you said, with like skateboarding specifically, 
um, there is a lot, uh, there is that mentality, which I love being a fucking punk kid myself. Yep. Trust me. I was a wreck Mosh yourself. Human. At the shows. I was fucking crazy. Like I grew up in the hardcore scene. I grew up in venues. I slept in venues. I grew, yep. that was all that I did. That was all that I did for my whole life. And I was a fucking animal and I was totally like live fast, die young. And mm-hmm. I was headed down that path and I was headed down that path really fast. And then obviously I had my own journey into my own healing and, and health. And so I don't want to take away what I'm trying to do in this arena is I'd never want to take away that grit, that like fucking live fast mentality, but I do want to take away that die young. I don't yeah. want, because I'm seeing it a lot. I'm seeing these legends right now. Like many people in the community die, even just from like health stuff, like heart attacks. Totally. And, and I don't, I'm like, this can be avoided. Like, I want people to understand that you healing your emotions and you healing your body, I am testament that it doesn't take away from that attitude. It actually doesn't. And I want them to be able, like, you can still do some of that stuff, but also add this and like pull back here and there because they're the coolest humans on earth and they have the best stories and the best, um, the best things to give the world and some of the coolest perspectives. And so I want them to actually live long enough to be able to do it. You know, like, I, like, like that's kind of, that's a really big, um, drive of mine. And I, and I'm, and I'm working on that because I think, again, there's that mentality, like, well, if I do this, then I'm like athlete, like a lot of them don't even like that word, but I'm like, dude, you are a pro athlete. And like, you can still be like the same person, just take care of the vessel that houses these things. Like, you know, it's just about, it's just about finding balance, I think in general with your life, you know, a lot of that pressure I feel like is put on at a young age, especially in the skateboard community. And I can't speak to this too much because I got out of that real soon when I was, you know, young, I was like, I'm not going to be a good skater. So I kind of bailed out, (laughs) but I know that I do have a lot of friends that are in that community. And, uh, it's definitely something where they're just like, I'm going to live this life to the fullest. And then if I, you know, go out tomorrow, at least I did it like as a, ba- like a badass. You're like, no, like you can still plan for your future. And like, you obviously want to grow as a person to, you know, not only just be a punk ass your whole life, but, you know, eventually yeah. do this, you know, with the family and kids and, you know, transition it into something cooler down the line. So. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of my thing is like, I just, I'm so like, again, music is uh, the other piece of me that's not, has nothing to do with training is like, again, because I grew up in the punk rock scene, music is everything to me. And so my idols in growing up, like minor th- bad brains, fucking Iggy pop, like I get it. Like I, I fucking absolutely understand like dead Kennedy is like this, this mentality. Cause I've lived it. I was angry with the world and I fucking didn't care. And I still am like, you know, that's, that's the thing. It doesn't go away, but at least now yeah. I'm like able to take care of myself and not be reckless. And things like yeah. That. It's like, you can still go out and, you know, I think maybe, and I don't know this to be true yet, but so maybe it's like a thought that like, Oh, well that grittiness of um, going out and slamming my body over and over and over again and fucking doing all this will go away, but it's not, it won't. And mm-hmm. I, it's, it, that's something that's in your spirit. It doesn't have to do with, um, how many drugs you're taking or how you're wrecking yourself that's your fucking spirit that's not going to go away yeah at, like period so yeah and the more you continue to beat yourself up the more you're going to beat up your spirit you know yes exactly the more it's actually going to get clamped down and bogged mm-hmm. down and fogged by all these substances or ways of being and it's like you know you don't have to go extremes you don't necessarily need to go over here and get like sober but yeah. like you also don't need to be over here and just like out of your mind when you have like all these opportunities to like Again, I just want to see the other 
these people that I find so interesting, whether they came up in the punk rock scene or they're like hip hop kid or just a skater, like skaters are the outliers in general and they embody that mentality. So I'm like, y'all are the people that should always be at the forefront being, you know, like being the ones, like I'm tired of seeing fucking jock ass people that come from Princeton, like, <laughs> like being mm-hmm. the ones that always are, you know, giving the messages to the world. It's like, nah, don't wreck yourself yeah. so you can be the one because your message yeah. is way, way more important. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is I think that everyone has a message to kind of give to the world and utilizing ourselves, the ones that are kind of on the front line of that, like where we just aren't afraid to say the message, yeah. you know, um, Max doing some craziness in the Hi, background. Mac. We're giving love to all the, uh, real quick. Uh, we're giving love to all the, uh, healthcare workers here in long beach. We give a shout out every night at eight o'clock. Like we do the lights and oh, yell yes. out the window. So. Yeah. But, um, that's, that's a good way to segment into this actually. Um, obviously we can sit here and talk about, you know, how much we want all this good for the world, but with all the bad that's going on in the world right now, <laughs> give me just like a, a I, I hate touch on this, but it's obviously a major topic that I've been doing it's with a, guests. Yeah. Um, how has COVID kind of affected your world? I know it's, um, it's interesting cause you probably have to do a lot of training via zoom as we are doing this uh, podcast via zoom. Yes. um has it been interesting to do that like have you been going crazy i know we've talked a little yeah. bit on this you know a little more alcohol intake uh trying to keep our brain <laughs> yes keep our brain <laughs> yeah as we drink as we crack as we our white claws <laughs> shout out to the sponsor shout one out time. to the sponsor white claw <laughs> <laughs> but um you know i've been seeing you do a lot of uh a lot of cool stuff i've been seeing you featured on a lot of great uh skate instagrams that i've actually been following oh so, really? um I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you so give me a little bit of uh, that life Thanks. Yeah, Paul, all my athletes are amazing. They're such Mm -hmm, rad humans. mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's a. I mean, it is. It's. It's like you said. It's like terrible to touch on, but it's also not. It's a reality, and it's. It's. It's what's going on in globally right now. And um, I think. I mean, it's affected me massively. It has. Um, I would say the first couple weeks were really gnarly for me because, as you know, I like moved here. I have been working on this for years and then just got it off the ground. I was, you know, I have my athletes that are already invested. And then there's some people I was really trying to bring into the fold. They had just gotten invested. You know, everything was just happening and swinging off. And then it was just like, um, and that was, uh, at first I, it was kind of like, Oh, this will blow over. Um, and then all, but then when it realized it wasn't going to blow over, I was worried. I mean, terrified. It's like, I just moved to LA what's going to happen with my Nike contract? What's going to happen with my Olympic contract? Are we even going to have the Olympics? Uh, these yeah. other, uh, company I'm invested in called Monarch WeHo, which is amazing. Um, what's going to happen with us. So it was just, it was, it, it really set me into a spiral. Um, mm-hmm. I really went dark for a minute. I didn't know what to think or what to do. Um, and I had to, I think after obviously all of that got more confirmed and there was clarity on my plans moving forward with the Olympics. And then also, um, you know, Monarch and Nike, I felt better. So then I was able to be like, okay, you know, Hey, we're out of control, but at least we have, you know, we're know we're moving forward in some way, but I have realized how much, as I said before, I, when I'm invested in my athletes or my people, like I mean it. So they're everything to me and, and their well being is everything to me. And then having to go from my job being a very hands-on job, a very in-person job, um, a very emotional connection and interaction type of job to nothing 
Like yeah. everything that I do is completely energetic and in, in, in person. And so that actually really affected me. I didn't realize how much I'm giving to them and how much they were giving back to me. And I, yeah. and, and then being, and then just going from a hundred to zero was uh, tough, but I will say, so now I'm, you know, I'm able to, it's not ideal to be honest with you. Like I, we, I've been on a couple um, training seminars, listening in, just talking about bringing back, you know, whatever your people are like back to return to sport because they're not skating at the level they usually skate at. They're not training at either not training or not training at the level they were. Um, and there's a lot of work around that's going to have to happen there. So I do zoom sessions, which for me is great because I, I get to see them. I remember we yeah. had a, a first call with the Olympic team after, I think it was like two or three weeks. None of us, the people that work in the Olympic committee, all the athletes, I don't think we realized everyone I almost cried we all just like lit up when we saw each other and it, it yeah. was a really big testament to like well oh, fuck we need each other we really do yeah. and I think um so I'm able to do what I can and now I'm in a rhythm and I actually it taught me beauty I have found in this time is I got back in touch with myself a little bit you know I'm always grinding yeah. I'm always hustling I'm always going mm -hmm. I'm always giving and it forced me down it was like a global timeout it said like oh you need to like be with yourself and I'm able to like oh. read books for leisure and make playlists for people and playlists for myself and put on records and you know work hard sometimes but then also be like you can take a nap and so I think it was just a, <laughs> you know and then also realizing how much um we do need each other like everything else goes away and and you remind you're reminded of how much human connection is the most vital vital thing to have um, so I guess, yeah, it, it affected me majorly and I was struggling for a minute and now I'm in a good yeah. rhythm and, and I know it's not about if this will lift, it's when. Totally. And so, and I think we have to remember that that's the biggest thing is just when and keep that in mind. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing too, is, um, obviously it took the pandemic for me to kind of launch this little podcast that I've been wanting to do mm -hmm. for so many years, but it's also been good for us to kind of figure out what's important what really means the most to you. Um, and then also, like you said, find that, uh, that self like love and that self care that you may have, you know, been putting on the back burner. I know we all work hard and we all strive for greatness, but also yeah. you got to remember that you got to have your back before anyone else. But then also we got to have that human interaction and that human love, which is really hard to do. Cause as much as I want to jump through the screen and hug you, you know, it's, it's just tough. Yeah. Um, but you're I right think, though self-care sorry yeah no you're good and I think it's just I mean a big thing and like I think that kind of wraps up your life in general is you got to take care of yourself so you can take care of the people that really need you there to help take care of them you know absolutely um, and that's just a big thing and we just got to keep putting that message out no matter what and I know you've been really good at that is being a light in people's lives and um continuing to you know push that envelope and just fuck what everyone says you know just keep doing you keep making that love uh, a big kind of focus in the world so yeah you know. i appreciate that i really i love i really do love people i remember though yeah one of one of actually one of the athletes one of the og athletes coming to the sessions he looked at me one day and he'd become kind of a friend as well because i was like yeah i'm doing this and then i gotta do this and he looked at me and he was like but who's taking care of you and i was like oh uh, no, nobody. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you have to be able to take care of yourself first. And it really is a, a true thing that we just, 
as a society just are like, right. Yes, I will. I got it. I do. And it's not, mm-hmm. and that's just not true. And no, I appreciate that. Cause I do. I love people. I love yeah. people and I want people to feel mm-hmm. loved. And so the more mm-hmm. that we can collectively as a society do that, like one of the things I noticed chat seriously, like, you know, I'm from the South. So it's like, I say, Hey to everybody. I'm going to talk yeah. to everybody. I'm going to meet everyone. I know my coffee shop people. I know these people. Blah, blah. Yeah. And when I came to LA, I felt actually felt more like Atlanta than Portland. So it was kind of a seamless. I was like, tight. And I already had a lot of homies here um, professionally and otherwise. But then just walking around, I was like, oh, yeah, people don't talk to each other. And it's it's different. But during this time, when I walk to get my coffee at the local spot and they pass it through the window and I got my mask on and I'm doing everything. People be waving from their balcony. How you doing? Chatting across the street. What's up? And I'm like, oh, well, this is a see. It's like a pod. You know, this is a horrible thing. But I'm like. Well, this is beautiful. Yes. Say hey to your neighbor. Talk to yeah. people. Like it's this is great. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, is it just always goes back to love, you know. Um it's it's tough because there's so many people that always think that other people are out to get them or things like that. But this really is a time to kind of focus and realize that we are in this together. A lot of people, you know, have been talking about that a ton, but you know, look out for people, check in on people, make sure yeah. people know they Take feel love. Just be alone with yourself. It's a pretty powerful thing to do that. Just like not watch TV and just kind of like, hey, how am I doing? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, really? Meditate, you know, get in your own oh. head and figure it out. I know you're all into that. Oh, yeah. We might have to do an, a second episode because we could go for a couple hours on this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But hey, yeah, not to keep it going too crazy long. I kind of wanted just to say, you know, I appreciate you. Um, I know I've been, you were one of the first people on my list when I decided to do this. Because, Stop. swear to god yeah you, you should see my list i'll see the screenshot but um it's just uh I, I just appreciate people doing good things like yourself out there so i just want to tell you personally to keep that shit going and if you ever need anything from me you. i'm just down here in long beach you up in west hollywood Same. i'm thinking still right yeah i mean well larchmont village is that east hollywood i don't know you're up here. I probably shouldn't tell people. I'm up here. <laughs> yeah, you're out here, you're out here so somewhere. Here. People start oh, banging on your door asking. I know. For <laughs> okay, I'm getting sick in quarantine. Help me out. Sis. Help me out. I know. <laughs> no, I appreciate you. You're such a positive. It's right back at you. It's like that night we met. Seriously, like as much as yeah, we were wild and like I say kindred spirit for a reason because that positivity was met. And you're you're doing amazing stuff, and I'm so proud of you. Just like Thank honored you, girl. to be, be here. I can't wait till we can get out of this and we can go uh, have a beach day or something I and know. Uh, make it happen. But um, real quick, just let the people know where they can find you. Maybe let them know what your next move is. Um, and then we can kind of close it out. Yeah, you can find me. Uh, where can you find me? On the internet. Uh, on the internet. Miss, <laughs> on the internet, I guess. Uh, at Miss Jessica. And it's M-I-S-S-J-E-S-S-I-K-A. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also look up my name, Jessica Alexander. I have a website. Email me there. Um, and then you can find me training at, uh, Monarch WeHo. Uh, we have an amazing facility with actually, we have an MD, a PT and Ooh. then strength conditioning coaches. Yeah. We're kind of trying to change the healthcare industry up there. So check us out Ooh. and, uh, Performix house when they open and, uh, yeah, my next move, I mean, it's just to keep, keep doing this. I'm going to try and keep having people heal their bodies and get in touch with themselves emotionally and then take care of my non-traditional athletes and keep making my way in skateboarding i'm not stopping anytime soon so yeah you're not and i'm proud of you for that (laughs) there's no stopping when you have that attitude so i just want to say thanks jess